Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cinema Soft Underbelly. I'm your host, Eugene Weaver, and if you're listening, you know by now that this show is all about the weird, obscure, hard-to-find gems in the rough, generally horror movies, fantasy, and science fiction, although today is going to be a little bit different. I, uh, I started off thinking that I was going to be talking about a really good Jalo movie that I watched last night, as well as a Code Red title, and a couple anthology movies. And uh, then I thought, you know what, I want to do something a little bit different, and this is going uh, kind of against the grain of what this show is all about, but I thought, yeah, why not, it'll be fun. Um, And it's my show, I can pretty much do what I want. So today we are going to be talking, I am going to be talking just a little bit about the James Bond series and what that series means to me and how I grew up with it, what my uh, favorites are and what... Uh, what titles I, I hate to say, I hate to say hate. Um, but there's a couple titles that are, are in my opinion, even though I love, I love this series. Uh, there's a couple titles that are borderline unwatchable. So, uh, and I'm not going to give a whole lot of details uh, with regards to, um, you know, who directed what, uh, and all that stuff, and the history behind the movie itself. I'm going to basically talk about why I personally liked the movie as much as I did, and go from there. So, anyway, so first things first, um, I, I'm guessing that if you're listening to this show, you know who James Bond is, you know what James Bond is all about, uh, and all that good stuff. Um, Dates back to the, uh, I want to say the, uh, and here we go, I'm already getting into the technical aspects, and I don't want to get into the technical aspects of the uh, the series, but it started with Dr. No in 1962. Sean Connery, obviously, was the first James Bond, and uh, he had his series of, of Bond movies. All were, well, I don't want to say all were really good. I've actually got all of my Blu-rays here. One of the reasons why I decided to do this show is because uh, they... Uh, recently released a really nifty uh, collection on Blu-ray that are kind of packaged together per Bond actor. So Sean Connery collection, Roger Moore collection, Timothy Dalton collection, Pierce Brosnan collection, Daniel Craig collection, and then the uh, George Lazenby uh, single disc quote-unquote collection, I guess. And they're really good. And uh, I have kind of a mishmash of Blu-rays from, I have them all. Uh, but I decided to sell these off and get the uh, these new ones just because I'm a completist like that, and it's my obsessive-compulsive behavior striking once again. So anyway, it starts with Dr. No, and um, from there it goes to uh, For Your Eyes Only. Nah, no, it doesn't. That's Roger Moore. Actually, it goes to From Russia With Love, and then Goldfinger... And uh, let's see what other ones uh, did Roger Moore have. Thunderball, uh, Diamonds Are Forever, and I think that I'm, I'm now, yeah, and then You Only Live Twice. Actually, I think it's uh, You Only Live Twice, and then the last Sean Connery was Diamonds Are Forever. And uh, uh, in between there, uh, in between the uh, You Only Live Twice and 
Diamonds Are Forever, there was the uh, uh, George Lazenby On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Uh, after those, uh, then we get into the Roger Moore era, and uh, they start off, in my opinion, they start off really strong with Live and Let Die. I thought that that was a really cool, unique entry, uh, kind of focusing on black exploitation and voodoo and all that good stuff. Um, and uh, let's see, what was the one after that? And again, I'm probably going to get these out of order, but that's 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 okay. That's... Uh, I do what I want, you know. Uh, Man with the Golden Gun was next. And um, after Man with the Golden Gun, we get into um, um, the, was it the spy who loved me? Um, I believe it was the spy who loved me. And uh, For Your Eyes Only. And... uh, Octopussy, and then we go, I missed Moonraker in there somewhere, Moonraker, uh, Octopussy, and then uh, rounding out the Roger Moore set with A View to a Kill. And um, in there, when Octopussy was being made, Sean Connery was, why he did this is beyond me, but he uh, he reprised his role as James Bond in Never Say Never Again. And I'm not even going to get into that movie, it's atrocious, I that that is the worst James Bond movie, if you consider that a James Bond movie, and I hardly do. It's uh, it's this weird non-Bond. I I hated it. Um, so I'm not even gonna count that in with these here. So then after that, then we get to, into Timothy Dalton, and uh, Timothy Dalton. Uh, he only made two movies, but they were both really good, and that would be The Living Daylights and License to Kill, and. Um, then we go into the Pierce Brosnan era. Yay! GoldenEye was good, and that was about it. Um, GoldenEye, uh, followed by uh, oh, the one with the jet in the beginning. Tomorrow Never Dies, which was okay. Uh, then the, we get into The World Is Not Enough, which was not okay. That was bad. Uh, and then closing out the Pierce Brosnan era with Die Another Day. Uh, Jinx is in that one, and Jinx is... Halle Berry, and that movie was, yeah, that's that's right there with uh, Never Say Never Again. So it ends with a whimper for poor Pierce Brosnan, because honestly, I think that he was a really good James Bond. He fits the bill, uh, and in fact, I'm going to get into that in here in just a little bit. Uh, Then from there, we get into the Daniel Craig era, which I I know that he's a very polarized uh, Bond. Some people really like him. Some people really don't like him, because he is almost the anti-Bond uh, and I like that. I think he works really good. He guy's got blonde hair, and uh, he's just very different from Sean Connery, Roger Moore, uh, George Lazenby, Timothy Dalton. Actually, you know what? He would be the the closest Bond I would say to compare uh, Daniel Craig to is Timothy Dalton, with uh, just with the more a little bit more of a mean streak in him because. Uh, Timothy Dalton definitely had that mean streak in him, and I liked that. In fact, I think License to Kill, especially License to Kill, really was a precursor for what we are seeing now with uh, Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, Skyfall, and the latest uh, Spectre. Um, Anyway, uh, Daniel Craig had, like I said, Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, Skyfall, and the latest one, Spectre, which is, of course, the most polarized of, well, 
I think, the most polarized of the Daniel Craig's. People seem to hate quantum, hate on Quantum of Solace, and I don't quite know why. It's a direct sequel to Casino Royale, and it's an hour and 45 minutes long. It doesn't overstay its welcome. Action-packed, great music. I don't, whatever. I don't, that's one thing about the James Bond movies is uh, is these movies are so – people have so strong of opinions on these James Bond movies, mainly because of how you grew up with it. Uh, and I grew up in the Roger Moore era, so I like Roger Moore's movies. Uh, watching these over and over and over again, I see the, the big flaws in, in the Bond movies – not just with Roger Moore and the cheesy, you know, late 70s, early 80s, but even with Sean Connery and, I mean, how he just slaps women around and very sexist and borderline, I don't want to say racist, but it's of its time, definitely of its time. But uh, it really does come down to where you were at in your life when you started watching the James Bond movies. Um, so, and that's, I think, why I so appreciate Roger Moore and Timothy Dalton, I, and, and to this day, I think that Timothy Dalton and George Lazenby got uh, the shaft with James Bond because, uh, personally, I think that Sean Connery uh, should have hung it up after You Only Live Twice and stayed away from Diamonds Are Forever. Uh, and Lazenby should have gone, here's the thing, uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, that's my favorite pre-Daniel Craig James Bond movie. I'm going to get into that in just a little bit as far as why. But uh, I think that George Lazenby, and I know that there was drama behind the scenes. He got an ego, a massive ego, and they it, it didn't do good. And they tried to get – they wooed Connery back into doing it one more time. But if they would have not done The Diamonds Are Forever and had George Lazenby take over the role and hopefully just, you know, Hold him back some so he's, he, you know, keep that ego in check and have him do a series run uh, and then have scaled back on Roger Moore's series because uh, Roger Moore has the most Bond movies, I think, um, unless Sean Connery does if you count that uh, uh, Never Say Never Again. But uh, Roger Moore had a lot of Bond movies and he was already kind of old when he started with Live and Let Die. And by the time we get to A View to a Kill, and A View to a Kill, uh, that was made in, I believe, 1986, uh, 85. So we start with, uh, with Live and Let Die in the early 70s. Uh, and the guy played Bond way too long. And A View to a Kill is actually a pretty good movie. So is Octopussy. They're bloated, especially Octopussy is very loaded and there's there's way too much going on in that movie and it's like they're throwing everything in the kitchen sink into that movie uh but it's it's still good but you can tell he's simply too old to be doing the stunts that he's doing and so there's you know stunt doubles and it just doesn't quite work like it should have well um i think that uh that roger moore should have gone out before octopus and a view to a kill George Lazenby should have had a couple more. Roger Moore should have had a couple less. And then, of course, Timothy Dalton should have definitely had more than two. That guy should have easily had four. I think that the, the sweet spot for a James Bond movie for the actor is uh, four as a minimum and five as the absolute maximum. But even like this latest series with Daniel Craig, honestly, if he would be done, I would be happy with that. Uh, they end, uh, Spectre ends on a, good closer for Daniel Craig, although I will say I'm 
guessing that he's going to come back. I'll, I'll be surprised if they don't get him back one last time, which is okay. Uh, they can still they still have some stuff to wrap up, but the Daniel Craig series is very much all encompassing one big story arc where uh, they they did that somewhat in the Sean Connery era where they have Spectre and uh, Blowfield and all that stuff like that. That is its own thing. And so and obviously Daniel Craig's series is trying to emulate that and it's working, although it would be cool to see just a one off uh, Daniel Craig movie. So where it's, it's here's the bad guy. He has nothing to do with Spectre. He has nothing to do with uh, 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 Quantum, all that stuff. It's because it's this big global terrorist organization and it's fine. It's, it works. Um, but after a while, it's like, oh, okay, now let's just have just, just one crazy bad guy that has nothing to do with, he's just his own thing. Um, anyway, uh, so after Timothy Dalton, which un- unfairly, because License to Kill did not do good, uh, because it was a very different style of Bond movie, more like the Daniel Craig's, uh, they went with uh, Pierce Brosnan, and they started out strong with Goldeneye. That was a good movie, but each one gets progressively worse till we get to Die Another Day, and it's just painful, painful to watch. It's a comedy uh, slapsticky version of what James Bond once was. So we have, it's almost science fiction. And granted, I love Moonraker, but that aspect it just didn't work. Invisible cars and ice castles and CGI jet crashes. And no, no, it does, doesn't work. So uh, anyway, uh, those are the, those are the actors. That's the series. Uh, I grew up with Roger Moore. Uh, first James Bond movie that I can remember watching was Moonraker. Actually, at my when, when I was young, I was at my co-host Eric Marner's house. We our families used to get together, and so uh, I remember Moonraker was on on their little tiny black and white TV, and that was my first recollection of a James Bond movie. And of course, it's it's such a great. I mean. I know it's kind of dated, but I still stand behind Moonraker. And here's where it just it gets so polarized with what you like. I think it's, again, because of what you grew up with, because Moonraker is not a well-liked James Bond movie, but I think it is fantastic. It's um, While it's not my absolute favorite, it's probably my second favorite. And uh, now jumping, jumping from that to my actual favorite, because I want to talk just briefly about that, because that's the one that I've watched the most recently other than Spectre. I saw Spectre in the theater last week. Um, the most recent James Bond movie that I rewatched again is on Her Majesty's Secret Service with George Lazenby. And this one here, I did not watch for the first time. Uh, the first time I watched this movie was maybe three years ago, something like that. I think I had seen little bits and pieces of it on television growing up. Uh, cause I, I vaguely remember a ski chase and a toboggan thing and a, a, a layer on top of a mountain but vaguely. Um, I gotta say, this is my favorite pre Daniel Craig, James Bond. It has everything that I like about a James Bond movie in it. And it doesn't go too over the top with, uh, with crazy stunts. Like pretty much everything you see in the movie, it could possibly be done. Uh, and I, I think that's so cool. Um, we have the evil, uh, the evil lair, and I'm actually going to read the, the back of the Blu-ray here. I want to spend just a little bit of time on this movie. James Bond goes undercover in the treacherous Swiss Alps 
In this action-packed epic filled with artillery-laden ski pursuits, incredible stunts, and non-stop thrills, George Lazenby leaps into the role of Agent 007 with supreme confidence and undeniable charisma. Even finding love with the beautiful and seductive Tracy DiVincenzo. I butchered that, but whatever. Uh, But first Bond must stop evil genius Blofeld which is played by Telly Savalas, from releasing a germ warfare plot that could kill millions. And I love this storyline, and I love the slow build-up. This is a very slow-build um, slow build action movie. It's almost two and a half hours long, and we don't see the main villain for a, quite a while in this movie. Uh, we're gradually introduced to the new Bond as far as his mannerisms, and you can definitely tell they were going... For someone that that was a bit like Sean Connery, uh, kind of looks like Sean Connery, like young Sean Connery, acts like a little bit like Sean Connery, and it's just unfortunate that he couldn't have taken on more Bond roles because I think that he would have done really, really good. Um, what I like so much about this movie is the the scenery is so good. And once we finally get to the Swiss Alps, and I don't want to spoil a whole lot of the movie because it truly is a unique story. I really, I mean, yeah, we have the uh, the villain in the lair on the mountain, but uh, I really like how uh, how he goes about with his diabolical scheme and what he wants in return for, for them trying to stop what he's going to do. Um, so anyway, and this has one of the most beautiful Bond girls of all the James Bond movies, and it also has the most heartbreaking ending to a James Bond movie. Now, I know that the Daniel Craig ones are a lot more angsty, and they end on, you know, a bit more of a modern-day depressing, kind of depressing, but Honor Majesty's Secret Service was the first one that was really like, oh, wow. And I mean, we're talking like a gut punch and then roll credits. And it's, again, I really liked that they went that route. I thought that that was really a, an interesting way to go with the series at that point, just because it was so not what you were expecting in this movie. This is still very much a, it's, it's a Sean Connery, James Bond movie, but it's scaled way back. But I like that because they were getting so far-fetched by the time they got to You Only Live Twice with Sean Connery dressing up like a Japanese guy or a Chinese guy or whatever. I'm, I'm, it was silly. Uh, and him flying around in this tiny little airplane, blowing other airplanes out of the sky. It, it was okay. But Honor Majesty's Secret Service was more grounded in reality. And that – another thing I like about the movie is the, uh, the score to the movie is – that's my favorite Bond score of all the movies – Moonraker being second with their uh, Star Wars-y type uh, music going on, especially in the uh, the last part of the movie. But this one here, I love the score. I love that, that the opening credits are just to music. It's not even to a song. It's to the, its own music. And it's to me, it's every bit as iconic as the actual traditional James Bond music that starts out every James Bond movie. Um, I really like that. So... Anyway, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, 1969, I've watched it in the last three years. I think I've watched it four times, three or four times at least, and um, I love it. I think that it's um, uh, it's beautiful to look at because of the Swiss Alps, and the story is great, and 
Lazenby does a great job, even though he has to wear a kilt in the movie, which is very odd. But um, it's okay. It still works for what it is. And um, it it's just what could have been. So anyway, that's my favorite James Bond movie. And then it is followed by Moonraker. And again, I'm not getting into the technical details and the behind the scenes, uh, you know, tidbits on the movie. I'm just giving just my general thoughts on the movie. So Moonraker was from 1979. And uh, in the wake of the Star Wars boom comes this movie. And then that's actually after this comes For Your Eyes Only. For Your Eyes Only is a, uh, it's a good movie, but... What brings that one down significantly for me is the disco music that they have in the movie instead of – this could have been a – like that one there could have been fantastic. John Glenn directed that movie. Uh, great Bond girl, great Bond villain. Everything about that movie is cool except the fact that uh, the, mu- the music is disco. Like the whole way through is disco and instead of a traditional James Bond type theme and it, it it really makes it difficult to watch um but moonraker is uh it's got jaws in it uh richard keel's in it uh hugo drax the villain is a, i think a great one of the best villains of all of the uh the bond series and just the fact that they go the star wars route nick hey we're gonna go to outer space now and space shuttles and it's great i love it um and now that we're on the bond on the uh, the Roger Moore Bond series, uh, getting into the Man with the Golden Gun. A reason that I liked Man with the Golden Gun so much, it's not the best Roger Moore, but it's a really good uh, entry into the series, is the fact that the villain is Christopher Lee. Of course, Christopher Lee has to be a villain in uh, a Bond movie. And he does great. Uh, in fact, that's the reason why this movie is better than uh than some of the other ones and uh you know going now I'm, I'm just hopping all over the place because whatever why not uh sean connery's movies i'm gonna spend not much time on his movies at all uh the only one of the sean connery series that really sticks out to me is uh goldfinger and that's a really good movie everything about goldfinger works we've got the gadgets we've got the sweet uh, uh, aston martin uh, the cool diabolical plot from the main bad guy. It's everything about that movie works. Uh, other than that though, Dr. No had a good premise and we're dealing with, uh, you know, the global terrorist organization and it's a good first, first try for James Bond, Sean Connery. Uh, but you can tell that the template hasn't quite been set yet with that movie. Um, but it's still a good movie. And then they go to From Russia with Love. And I've only watched that movie full the whole way through one time. And uh, that is on the bottom five for me, James Bond movies. Uh, that one was hard to get through. It didn't make sense. Boring. Uh, poor acting. Uh, not poor acting. but the Acting is decent. But poor action. I, I didn't like it. And then from there, we go, we go to Goldfinger, which is really good. Um, Thunderball bored me to tears. Better storyline than from Russia from Russia with love, but Thunderball, uh, you can't have a long drawn out underwater battle. It doesn't work. It's slow. Um, you only live twice was definitely a step up, but even that was yeah. And then uh, Diamonds Are Forever was just just no. It didn't work. It wasn't terrible, but it just 
it was kind of boring and not much going on and just kind of a leisurely paced Bond. I, no, I didn't like it. So to me, the Sean Connery, uh, he was a great Bond, but his movies, yeah, this didn't do much for me. Roger Moore's on the other hand, I, I liked, I liked them all other than the, uh, the bad music for, uh, for your eyes only. And the, the bloated runtime of Octopussy and A View to a Kill, I thought that Roger Moore did a fine job as Bond, and his movies were, were quite good. Um, and then from there, the Timothy Daltons. Uh, I do remember watching The Living Daylights in the theater and uh, loving it. And I would, I would put Living Daylights above License to Kill personally, but that's not to say that License to Kill is not a good movie. It is a good movie, um, but... I, it, here again, it's subjective. It's because I saw it in the theater uh, with my parents, and it was a good time. And I didn't watch License to Kill till many years later. And I'm not sure why we didn't see it in the theater. And I don't even think that we, it was ever rented on VHS. I think the first time I watched it was probably on DVD. And so it didn't have that nostalgia feel for me. It's still a good movie. Uh, there's good bad guys in it and it's got a, a different plot. Again, very similar to a Daniel Craig movie, but living daylights for me is more of the classic bond. Uh, he's a badass in it and it's got a, some great action scenes, a great story. And, uh, one of the more attractive bond ladies, uh, is in this movie as well. I believe, oh, and John, Joe Don Baker is in this. So there you go. Um, uh, what's her name? I'm not going to pronounce, I'll butcher her name. So never mind. Anyway, uh, that's Timothy Dalton's two good movies. Guys should have had more of an opportunity to, uh, keep going as bond. And then we get into the Pierce Brosnan movies, you know, Goldeneye. I really like Goldeneye is the best one of the, uh, Pierce Brosnan series. It's still far, far from my favorite. Uh, and I did, I actually watched all of the, uh, Pierce Brosnan's in the theater, um, and it's odd. I remember liking them all in the theater. Uh, and then you start to rewatch them and those have dated themselves so much. And it seems like they've dated themselves more than, uh, the older, like the cheesy Roger Moore ones and the very dated Sean Connery ones. They seem just more dated for some reason. Um, but the Bond girls, uh, aren't real. And I liked, I liked, um, the Bond girl in, uh, well, yeah, I can probably just say her name. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah. Sean, and I'm looking at Goldeneye right now. Sean Bean's in that. Um, anyway, uh, but I liked the Bond girl in the Bond girls in Goldeneye. And from there it takes a drastic turn, uh, down with, uh, the other ones, which ugh, I don't want to spend much time on those. And then, uh, we get into the Daniel Craig's, which completely reinvents itself way reinvents itself. Uh, unlike any of the other bonds other than maybe License to Kill, um, and which that brings us up to Spectre, and Spectre is a good movie. Spectre, I think, with the Daniel Craig series, is the most like an older Roger Moore era Bond movie, if that makes sense. Like It's more of a globe hopping, and you've got a little bit more humor in it. Uh, it drags a little bit, which some of the Roger Moore movies drug, and there's the big lair, and there's, there's just different things in Spectre that really remind me of the Roger Moore movies. Um, and it's already getting it very polarized. People love it, hate it. I thought it was a good movie. It wasn't, uh, I don't think it was quite as good as the other Daniel Craig movies, but it's, it's splitting hairs for me. I thought it was a good movie. So 
Um, anyway, so my top, uh, my top favorite Bond movies, Majesty's Secret Service is my favorite Bond movie, followed by Moonraker, followed by, um, I would probably, it's, here's where it gets tough. I would probably say uh, Skyfall is, is my favorite of the uh, Daniel Craig's. And I'm only going to put one of the Daniel Craig's in there. I'm going to uh, go with um, next up on the list. Um, you know, next up on the list might even be the man with the golden gun, maybe. And then Goldfinger. Uh, and then um, uh, that that could change, by the way, because I'm thinking about the Timothy Daltons. The Timothy Daltons should be in there. But anyway, I want to get to the worst of. And I'm cramming so much stuff into just a half hour long show. Uh, this could easily have gone several more episodes, but this is not really soft underbelly material. I just wanted to talk about James Bond a little bit. The worst movies uh, for me in the James Bond series, and these are interchangeable, uh, but uh, The World Is Not Enough is in there, and uh, Die Another Day is... Actually, Die Another Day is probably my least favorite James Bond movie. Um... Uh, from Russia with Love, uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, and yeah, did I miss any of the Pierce Brosnans? Because three of the four Pierce Brosnans are in the worst of, and then from Russia with Love, and yeah. Anyway, whatever. Those those are the worst of for me. Didn't like them. Uh, will I rewatch them? Yeah, probably. Uh, anyway, uh, that was my little odd attempt at a James Bond episode. So hope you liked it. I uh, could have definitely spent a lot more time on a lot more stuff or been a lot more focused. I was jumping all over the place, but trying to cover as much ground as I can. Okay, that's going to be it for this episode. You can get a hold of me at Eugene-Weaver at Hotmail.com with any questions or to chew me out for talking about James Bond for a half hour instead of a horror movie or whatever. Uh, make sure you tune into Cinema's si- Cinema Sidekicks on iTunes as well as Movie Freaks. We're going to be doing another podcast taping on Thursday night, so stay tuned for more uh, drunken hilarity coming your way. We're on iTunes, of course. That's going to do it for my show, and until next time, thanks for listening.